Good evening. It is time for our semi-annual look at our guest evangelism program. And uh, at this point, uh, Kurt and Dale are passing out some sheets for you to follow along with as we go through the lesson. I know some of you are saying, oh man, I hear this every six months. But it's something that we need to be reminded of. And also, of course, we need to work and uh, kind of shift around all the folks who are involved in what we're doing here. And we have some new folks. That's really exciting. We have some new folks that are with us, and they haven't heard it, and they don't know what we're doing. And so we want to get involved in that. So we're just going to wait here for just a moment while Kurt and Dale get the little sheet passed out. I want to make sure that all the members get one, regardless of age. doesn't matter how old or young you are. We want you to be involved. One of the great things about what we've done with this is that I think it's gotten a whole lot more people involved in just the work of evangelism and the work that we're doing to spread the gospel. And so I'm excited about that. And over the past couple of years as we've been involved in this, I think we, you know, we started off real strong, and then we, just well the past year, it's kind of started uh, faltering a little bit. And I think mostly that's my fault, because usually when it comes time to change up things and revamp them and get them moving again, I've forgotten, and then we're two months behind, and then everybody's getting more out doing their jobs. And so this year we decided to get a jump on it. The change is actually supposed to take place in July, but uh, we're going to go ahead and get everybody signed up now and get everything set in place by the beginning of June so that when July gets here, we are just completely ready. We want to begin by remembering what it says in 1 Corinthians. And by the way, I do have to say, I'm sure you all have noticed something is really wrong with our projector. So I had to change the slides. I hope you all can see them <laughs> all the way throughout, but we're, we're going to be working on that over the, the next week here. But uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 23 through 25 says, If therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues and outsiders or unbelievers enter, Will they not say that you are out of your minds? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convicted by all, he is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. Now, I recognize, and here at the Franklin Church, we recognize that the main point around why we gather together is to worship God and edify one another. That's, that's what this is really all about. However, all the way since the beginning of the church, we recognize that one thing that does happen within the assemblies is that folks come into the assemblies, and unbelievers come into the assemblies, and they're supposed to be able to recognize by what they see here and by what we do here that God is with us. And so I understand that a lot of folks get upset when you start thinking about our assemblies being evangelistic, but in, but in fact, it's always been that way. And instead of putting our heads in the sand and trying to act like that's not evangelism and and it's only evangelism if we go knock on doors and that sort of thing. Let's just recognize that the reality is this is the way it's been since the beginning of the church. This is the way it is today. Unbelievers come into our assemblies. Non-Christians come into our assemblies. And the fact of the matter is, in our day and age, in our particular time, one of the number one ways that we make contact with people is the fact that they will come into our assemblies to check us out. We live in a period of time where folks generally don't like us knocking on their doors. They put up with the Mormons and the Jehovah's Witnesses so much that it kind of puts them off, and they put up the defensive. They don't like that. Uh, we recognize that folks are skeptical of the religious and those who make attempts at trying to bring them in because they've seen Jimmy Swaggart and the 700 Club and uh, Jimmy and Tammy Faye Baker and all that, and they're, they're skeptical of religion. And so what they want to do before they commit themselves to anything is they want to check it out. And so the fact is, and I think we should do all kinds of other things. Don't, don't get me wrong. We need to be doing exactly what we've been talking about in our, Sunday, or in our adult Bible class about getting the Word out 
and the work that we're doing individually. But as a church, we need to recognize that one of the number one places that we get contacts and prospects are the guests from our community who come in to check us out in our assemblies. And because of that, we need to be prepared to demonstrate to them that God is with us. And that's what our guest evangelism program is all about, about capitalizing on that fact that we have folks that are coming into our assemblies and we want to do whatever we can to help make the connection between them and God so that they can have their sins forgiven and we can all go to heaven together. So that's what we're going to be taking a few moments to talk about tonight and the role that you can participate in that aspect of our work. Before we look at that, would you bow with me in prayer, please? Almighty God and Father in heaven, we lift you up because you are worthy of praise. You are the great and awesome God who has created all things, and it is by your word that they are here and they are sustained. We understand, Father, that without your hand being with us, we can accomplish nothing. So, so many times we get involved in all kinds of works and all kinds of actions, and we neglect you. And when we're doing that, that's just spinning our wheels. Father, we pray that your hand will be with us like it was with the church in Antioch in Acts 11, like it was with the church in Jerusalem in Acts 2. We pray that your hand will be with us so that we might be bold and courageous and get out and spread your gospel. Father, we pray that you would help us in every aspect of the work that we do, that our number one goal will be to draw folks in so that you might be glorified and that we might be able to help others go to heaven. Father, forgive us for we have sinned. And we need your forgiveness. We need the blood of your Son. And we pray that you would help us to escape the tempter's traps and help us to walk on your path of righteousness. We ask that you would guide us and lead us down that path. Father, we love you. And we thank you so much for your loving us. Through Jesus we pray. Amen. Well, I want us to remember what it says in James chapter 2. When we talk about guest evangelism, I think James chapter 2 provides kind of the governing principle that we have behind all that we want to accomplish. In James chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, it says, My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, You sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, You stand over there or sit down at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, has, God, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man, and are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into the court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable of all of it. What it points out here is that our goal when folks come into our assemblies is to demonstrate love to them, to honor them, not to do dishonor to them. And what this means is whether they're black or white, rich or poor, male or female, Republican or Democrat, from the north or from the south, it doesn't really matter. Auburn or Alabama, Tennessee or Arkansas, God doesn't care. We're supposed to show honor to them and love them impartially. And so that's what we're wanting to do here, and that's really the focus behind our guest evangelism. And while we assign roles for, for certain things that people are going to do, the real import behind what we're doing is to get all of us to recognize that when a guest walks through these doors and come into our, comes into our midst in our assembly, our job is to love them. Our job is to honor them. 
Our job is not to dishonor them, whether they look like us or they don't look like us. If they have earrings, nose rings, if they have spiked hair, a mohawk, if, if their pants are hanging down, it doesn't matter. Our job is to love and to honor them impartially. And so we need to remember that. Now, in order to accomplish that, we have three goals with what we're doing with our guest evangelism program. Number one is guest reception. When our guests come in, we want them to feel like they've been received well. I mean, just think about this. If you walked into somebody's house because they had invited you over for dinner, and, you, you know, they, they opened the door, but then they just turned around and walked off, and, and you kind of wandered in, and you're looking around, and, and, and they're watching TV, and maybe they're cooking something, and they're not really saying anything to you. And so you just kind of sit down, and the next thing you know, they've all gotten up, and they're at the table, and they're kind of looking at you funny. It's, oh, so you hop up, and, and you get over to the table, and... How would you feel? Well, sadly, that's sometimes how our guests feel because they walk through the door and we're all wandering around talking to each other and getting things done and and, and they're just kind of left to figure things out on their own. That's how guests and congregations feel. I want you to picture some time when you were alone going into something strange and you didn't really know what to expect. That's how our guests feel when they come in. And so what we want to do is mitigate that. We want to receive them with open arms. And one of the things that I do is try to remember, and we've said this a lot, especially in our Bible class we're talking about now, when folks come in, think of them as guests. Think of them as guests. Yeah, any of you seen the Disney movie Beauty and the Beast? You know that, that song when they're about to fix the meal for, for Belle and the candlesticks start singing? He doesn't say, he doesn't sing, be our visitor. I mean, aside from the fact that it doesn't really rhyme and doesn't flow with the music, I think there's a reason why it's not be our visitor. It's be our guest. Because guest is somebody we serve. Visitor is somebody who comes in and walks out and we're done. A guest is somebody that comes in and we're there to serve them. And so we want to receive them and welcome them. The second goal that we have in our guest evangelism program is guest information. We certainly want to know information about our guests. Uh, we'd like to know where they're from. We'd like to know where they are. We, what we really want to know is what we can do to help them spiritually. And so we're wanting to get some information from them so that we can contact them. But, but let me say, if you're involved in getting those guest cards to them, or if you're making the announcements, or if you're saying thing, anything about it, maybe at the table as, as uh, you're passing out the collection plate and you want to comment on it, this is just my little thing here. Please don't tell folks. Uh, you know what? We want this to have a record of your attendance. Permanent record of your attendance. That, to, to guests who come into a strange place, I mean, the folks from other churches, they don't care. That's fine if we, if we have a permanent record of their attendance. They don't care. But folks out in the world, they come into them, that feels like you're putting me on the grid. So all of a sudden, they're going to have me. They've got some file somewhere that's going to have my name forever, and who knows what kind of spam I'm going to get, and who knows what kind of junk mail I'm going to get, and, and you know, no thanks. Instead, just say, listen, we just want to know. We just want to let you know how much we appreciate you coming. We want to get information from them. And that's, that's part of what our guest evangelism is about. And so we have our guest card written up. But it's also about getting information to them. We want them to know about the congregation. We want them to know about the work that we're doing. We want to know about the foundation of our congregation. And we want to get to them the information that God is with us and see that in every way. So we have information about our classes, information about our assemblies, information about the congregation in general that we want to get to them. And that's why we have those guest information packs. So that's the second part of it. And the third goal in our guest evangelism program is guest follow-up. We want to be able to 
follow up and let folks know about what's going on. We want to invite them to come again. We want to find out what kind of needs they have that we can fulfill spiritually. We want to know if there's anything that we can pray for them about. And so we want folks to be able to call, to email, to write, to visit, to let them know that we care. And so that's the third goal in our guest evangelism program. So this is what we're trying to accomplish. Guest reception, guest information, and guest follow-up. Because this is the way that we can draw people into the body of Christ and as we've met them here in our assemblies and help them submit to the Lord. And there's something that all of us can do in this. Certainly a part of this is going to be the Bible studies that are going to take place at some point with our guests that come in. But there's things that we can do all the way along, and that's what I want to share with you. The sheet that you have in your hand is about the roles that we have, and it's strictly voluntary. We want you to sign up for the role that you feel is beneficial, that you can, that you can fill, that you're excited to fill, and I want you to view that whatever it is, it's an important role. Every single one of these is important. And we want you to be a part of it because that means you are a working part of the congregation. When somebody says, hey, what are you adding to the Franklin Church? You can say, oh, this is what I'm doing. And you can talk about what you're doing as a part of the guest evangelism program, among other things. So I want to talk to you about these roles. And when we're done, I want you to fill out whichever one of these that, that you would be willing to be a part of. You can fill out more than one. We may not be able to get you in all the ones you fill out, but fill out the ones you're willing to do. And within a couple of weeks, we'll be letting you know what your role will be for the final six months of the year. And so please keep that in mind. It is six months. Uh, whatever you're signing up for, you're agreeing to do it for six months. Not for the rest of your life, but for six months. And so make sure that you're willing to do that. And we're going to talk about what all these roles entail as we go through it. Okay. And then we're going to pick this up at the end of the lesson. So get a pen and make sure you're filling that out. Share a pen with your neighbor, whatever. But we want to pick this up at the end of the lesson so we can get on this. All right, number one. In Acts chapter 11 and verse 21, we know that it pointed out that the church at Antioch, that considerable numbers believed in the Lord because the hand of the Lord was with them. I think that is the foundation of everything that we do. The hand of the Lord has to be with us. And because of that, what we have to do is pray. Every work that we do needs to be on the foundation of prayer and asking God to be with us. And so, in my opinion, one of the most important things that we have as part of this is the prayer groups we have. We set up two prayer groups, usually four or five, maybe six people in each of them, one a ladies' group and one a men's group. And they meet every Sunday night following our assemblies for a few moments in one of the rooms in the back. And they get copies of the guest cards, and they pray for each of our guests. And they pray for our work in evangelism. And they pray for uh, really anything regarding the evangelism. That, that's what it's about. It's not a time to pray for everybody under the sun. It's not a time to go through the members list. That's not what that prayer group's about. Now, I hope you're praying, and I hope you're doing all that on your own, but this prayer groups are specifically about the evangelistic work that we're doing as a church and our guests that come in and our prayers for them and our hopes for their, uh, if they were traveling for their safety, if they're studying for their studies, if they're not a Christian, that we might be able to have some type of contact with them and bring them into the family of God. And so, again, we have about 10 to 12 people involved in that, five to six men, five to six ladies, if you'd be willing to do that. But remember, every Sunday night, uh, that's that's what it's about. Now, that doesn't mean that if you know, oh, I'm going to miss a couple Sunday nights over the next six months, I can't do this. Obviously, all of us are going to be missing some. That's We can't help that. Uh, we get sick. There's travel. I, I understand that. But in general, this is a commitment. Every Sunday night, we're going to take a five to ten, maybe 15 minutes following our assembly to be involved in a group to pray about our evangelism. The second thing, and, and this is probably kind of the... the uh, um, the biggest thing that we do, and these are the greeters and escorts. Uh, these are the folks who stand out in the foyer 
So as folks come in, they make sure that they get the guest packet, they make sure that they get the bulletin, they make sure that if they need to go to a classroom, they know how to get there. We've got maps for the classrooms. Uh, that's if, if letting them know where the restroom and the nursery is, uh, where they are, and letting them know the auditorium and what's going on. Because as folks come in, if they're uh, they haven't been here, they don't know what's going on, and they're a little bit apprehensive. And so that's these are the folks that are greeting them at the door. Now, let's back up and say whose job is it to greet guests? Everybody's. All right. This is not here's the five or six people each assembly that greet guests. All of us are supposed to greet guests. These folks have specific roles in making sure that the guest information packet is handed in, making sure that we get the guest card back, making sure that the guests know where the class is, helping them if they have kids, get their kids to class if they're willing to do that, letting them know that, hey, we're going to the auditorium, you can do that, uh, letting them know where things are. That's, that's what greeters and escorts do. And so uh, generally we have six, I think, uh, how many has it, Kurt, six or seven each assembly? Is that what we have for that? Okay, four for each assembly. Kurt, Kurt really my right-hand man on this, he kind of assigns that. Now, we've said that you're going to be doing this for six months, but the way Kurt has it set up, he gets all the volunteers, and, and usually a month of that six months, you'll be doing that. Every Sunday morning, Sunday evening, and Wednesday evening for a month within that time period. So if you'd be willing to do that, uh, make sure to sign up for a greeter. In order to do that, you have to be here 20 minutes early each assembly. you got to be willing to come out in between class and the assembly to, to be out in the foyer. You're going to be a little bit late to class and a little bit late coming to the assembly, and we understand that. But you've got to be here early, each of those services, to be able to greet folks. Now, let me just say this. Whether you're a greeter or not, remember where we start greeting folks, wherever we see them. If we see them out in the parking lot, we don't wait till we get in the doors here to greet people. Uh, that just doesn't make any sense at all. That says I've got a job to greet folks when I get inside the building. It doesn't say I care about them. Remember, all this has to be that we care about people and we want to help them. So if you'd like to be a greeter, um, that's up your alley. Go ahead and sign on that one. Card distributors. This is we generally have just about three or four people. Their job here is they get the cards, they go to the copy machine, they copy them after each assembly and each class, and they put them in the little bins that we have in the library so that everybody who has a job can go get their copies of the cards and then can do their job. So that's just a very simple one. It takes just you know, a few minutes following each assembly, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, to get those, copy them, and distribute them. You don't actually have to go find people. All you have to do is copy the right number and put them in the little bins in the library. So pretty pretty simple job. Usually we like have three or four because we understand people are traveling, vacations, work, and that sort of thing. So we want to make sure that somebody's doing that each time. Then we have databases. This is where we've had trouble over the past two years because we had some trouble getting the database to work, but we finally got it working. It's, it's up and running. It's being caught up right now. And when we get into July, we're going to be ready to move forward with that. The reason why we're databasing, number one, uh, so we can know what we're doing in our work. We want to be able to look back and say, here's what we've done. We've actually followed up with people. We've actually called. Here's been the results. Here, here are the things that we're doing. And we just that's the purpose just for us to be able to look back at what we've been doing. And generally, we have about three or four people involved in this. The job includes getting the guest cards. You'll go back to the bin back there. You'll pull out the one that the card distributor put in your bin. You'll go down to the computer that's downstairs in the workroom, and you'll program that into the database. Additionally, we have follow-up cards that everybody's filling out when they're following up with people. They'll put those in the bin. You get that information. You put it in the database so that we know here's what we did, here's the response that we got, and we'll be able to track that. So that's, that's the database role. Usually we have about three or four involved in that each six months. Now we start responding to folks. This is part of the guest follow-up. Emailers. Computers are amazing things. Before email, 
uh, we could call somebody or we could we could uh, send them a letter and they might get it the next day or two. But with email, one of the things that we can do, as soon as the assembly is over, somebody goes downstairs, gets on that computer down there, sends off an email. It comes from the, the email address that says, thanks for visiting at franklinchurchofchrist.com. And lets them know. So somebody comes in, they visit with us on Sunday morning, they go out to eat, they get home, decide they want to check their email before they take their Sunday siesta, and all of a sudden they have something from us that says, we're glad that you were at Franklin this morning. We just wanted you to know. And that, I think, is, is one of the best things that we can do. So we have the emailers. Usually we get about five or six people. One of them, every service, gets the cards and immediately goes to that machine and is supposed to send off an email. The others can do it from home uh, sometime within the next day. Uh, the next 24-hour period, they can do that. But hopefully folks will get a couple of emails uh, pretty quickly after they have attended with us. And so if you're willing to do that, again, uh, you know, you'll rotate with whoever's leading that group to, to be the one who immediately following the service gets the card and goes downstairs and takes care of it from here. But some will be doing it from home over the next 24-hour period also. So if you're willing to be a person who emails our guests, then make sure you check that one. Riders. Our ladies' groups typically handle that, and they're doing a great job with that. That's probably been the part that works the best for us because we have the ladies' group that are working on that, and we appreciate that. They just go and get the, get the cards out of the bin, and the ladies' groups send off the, the cards and letters and notes, and we appreciate their work on that. Um, one thing that we do need with this is to make sure that somebody's doing it on Wednesday nights because we want the letters and notes to go off within the first 24 hours after they've been there. So if you're willing... Uh, above and beyond what the ladies' groups are doing on Sunday night, to send out a note in the middle of the week, make sure to, to sign up for that. We'd appreciate that. Um, in fact, you know what? I may – is that on the, the sheet? Is Ryder on the sheet? Yeah, okay, just making sure. Because one time I left it off since the ladies' groups are doing that, so I wanted to make sure. All right, five-minute visitors. This is the toughest one. This is the one where we've uh, slacked off the most. I think I say that every time, mostly because it's, I think, a little bit – fearful for us to actually knock on the doors. This is not a trying to go to somebody's house and get a study. This is just within the first 24 hours going and knocking on the door, spending five minutes staying on the porch. You never go inside, but just to say, hey, we just want to let you know we really appreciated you coming and maybe giving them a little card that invites them to come back. They're just in the neighborhood, wanted to say hi, thanks for being with us today or, or yesterday. Hope you can be back next Sunday. This is not a time to sit there and try to get them to have a Bible study right then. If they say, well, I just had a, a big question for you, your response would be, that is an awesome question. When can somebody call you to talk with you about that? Because what can easily happen is they ask a question, we think they're interested, we go inside, spend three hours, and they walk away from it saying, I can't believe these people came over to my house and took over my evening. And we thought all the way along they were excited about it. When instead, if we just say, you know, that is a great question, when's a good time for somebody to call you, and we'll have somebody call you about that. So the five-minute visitors, all they're doing is knocking on the door, saying, hey, glad you could come. Here's a little bit more information. Hope you can come back is essentially it. But it will be within the first 24 to 48 hours of somebody assembling with us and attending. So if you'd be willing to do that, uh, we'll be sending folks out in twos. So it's a great thing for married couples to do. But, if you know, you don't have to be married and you don't have to do it with your spouse. You can do it with somebody else. Uh, but we want to send folks out in twos on that. And... Um, Oh, yeah, I was going to point out. Now, obviously, if you knock on the door and they say, you know, I've been studying and I realize that I just have to be baptized for the remission of my sins, you don't say, well, when can somebody call you back on that? We'll, we'll work with that one right then. You know, we, we'll use some judgment. But it's not about going out and trying to be in anybody's face and, and trying to conduct a Bible study with them. It's just letting them know how much we appreciated them being here. 
Phone callers, we have a group of people. I think we have between six to ten each six months that are involved in this. Their job is this is specifically, and obviously the five-minute visitors also, specifically for folks who visit from within our community. Uh, somebody who's visiting from Athens, we don't send a five-minute visitor to them, and you don't have to phone call them. Uh, these are for folks who live within our community. We're going to call them if they've attended Sunday or Wednesday, call them Thursday, Friday, or Saturday to invite them to be back with us the next Sunday. That's what the phone caller is. And, you know, just a quick five-minute call, letting them know we appreciate them coming, hoping they can come back again. And then we have folks who are involved in hospitality. If somebody's been a guest with us a, a couple of times, we'd like someone to invite them over to their home and just let, make them feel welcome and, and, and invite them out and just spend some time with them, get to know them, find out a little bit about them and what their spiritual needs are. And, of course, that will lead into, if they're non-Christian, will lead into some studies, we hope, at some point. So if you're willing to invite some folks in your home that have been a, been a guest, uh, make sure that you mark down hospitality. All right, so here's what we've got. Prayers, readers and escorts, card distributors, databasers, emailers, writers, five-minute visitors, phone callers, hospitality. Make sure you mark which ones that you're willing to be involved in there. I'm going to give you just a second to fill that out, and then we've got just a few more things to say. And as they say, the lesson will be yours. Before I move on, let me just say that... Uh, I want to commend you because really over the past few years, I think we've done a great job with this. I, I started off by saying I think we've kind of let things fall through a little bit, and that, that's mostly in the specifics of how we're working the programs and the roles. But I think, I think one of the things that we've, we've really gotten a lot better at over the past few years is the way we receive guests and, and welcoming folks in just on a, on a normal, common basis. And I hope, I hope we keep that up. And I just want to encourage you to remember that, whether you're a greeter or an escort or not, Keep in mind that we need to be showing some attention to our guests and welcoming them in before we spend a whole lot of time uh, getting up with our friends. I mean, we, we've, got, we've got our friends' phone numbers. We can call them if we have to, but we want to make sure that our guests feel welcome and they feel warmly received when they come into our assembly. So, and, and I just want to commend you because I think we've done a really good job at, at getting a lot better at that, and I appreciate all the work. I see people talking to guests all the time. Uh, every once in a while I see a guest kind of standing around, and that causes me to stress out a little bit, but mostly we're doing really good, and I appreciate uh, appreciate your work in that. I want to talk just briefly before we close about three principles that's going to make this work. The very first thing that we need to remember is that we've got to put others first. In Philippians, Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, Paul wrote, Philippians 2, verse 3 and 4, Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. For this to work, we recognize that we have to put others first. I understand that, that you're like me. When you get here, you've got folks you want to see, things you want to say, questions you want to ask, work you have to get done. And it's very easy. I mean, I do it all the time. It's very easy to get caught up in all of that and to be going hither, thither, and yon and not paying attention to the people that you're passing as, as you're going about doing it. And we want to make sure that when our guests come in, that we're putting others first. You know, like I said, if you have a friend to talk to, that's okay, but talk to that guest that's next to you first. Don't wait for somebody else to do that. Don't wait for them to see me at the door. Don't wait for one of the elders to get a hold of them. If there's a guest that's sitting around you, you make sure that you talk to them. And, and yes, that means you're going to have to put some things on hold, but you're putting others first. This is just a principle, really, for every aspect of Christianity. This is a principle that we need to follow, but it's one that we're going to have to follow if the guest evangelism program is going to work at all, which leads to our second principle, and that is self-sacrifice. It is going to be a sacrifice. If you're going to be a greeter and you've got to get here 20 minutes early, I know there's some folks saying, oh, man, I'm not going to do that. 
uh, it, it is sacrifice. I realize that when our assembly is over, especially on Sunday morning, what we have, the, the number one thing we have in mind is being the Baptist to the restaurant. I understand that. Uh, but it, it may be that for someone's soul that we sacrifice that and we stand in line and we wait a little bit when we get to Chili's or Applebee's or wherever it is we're going. And we sacrifice of ourselves to talk to our guests and to spend some time helping them feel warm and welcome, talking with them about their spiritual needs, praying with them, studying with them, uh, sitting down with them if we need to, whatever, whatever the need is there. Romans 12 and verse 1 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Recognize that it is going to take sacrifice. We're going to have to put some of our goals aside in order to do this work of God. And most of the things that we're doing within this don't take a whole lot of time and don't take a whole lot of effort, but I know they take some. And it is going to take sacrifice, and we're going to have to decide how much is the soul worth to us, how much are these guests that come into our assemblies, how much is their soul worth to us. Remember what we learned this morning. They were worth a son to God. Are they worth 20 minutes every assembly for us? Are they, are they worth 15 minutes on Sunday nights to go back and pray? Are they worth a few minutes to send off an email or write a card? Are they worth that to us? And, and sacrifice ourselves so that we can do the work in this uh, guest evangelism. And finally, and we've already commented on this, but I think this is such an issue for us today that we have to highlight it again, and that's the issue of impartiality. It's going to take impartiality. We already read James chapter 2. It doesn't matter if the person comes in and they're dressed finely or poorly. It shouldn't matter if they're black or white or Indian or Hispanic. It shouldn't matter if, they, if they're dressed just like us or if they're dressed differently. It shouldn't matter if they're, if they're goth or emo. None of those things should matter. What should matter is that they've come in, and our job is to, to, to pull them in, to welcome them, and help them to grow in Christ, just like folks have done for us, impartially. And that's, that's the thing that we have to keep in mind as, as folks come in. It's, I mean, it's, it's great if we respond well to the folks that come in and they look already like us. It's even better. It's even better when folks who look completely different come in and they feel welcome and warm. I'm reminded of the story, and perhaps you've heard it, and this supposedly took place back in the, in the days of the hippies. A young man walked in a little bit late into the assembly, and he had his hair that was down to his, past his shoulders, and he had sandals on his feet, and his jeans were all kinds of ragged. He had a tie-dye T-shirt on, and he walked in, and he didn't know where to sit, so he, he walked down the aisle, and he just sat in the middle of the floor down, down there in the front. And everybody was a little bit shocked, kind of taken aback. And then they hear old, old Brother Jones get up. And they all feel sorry because they know old Brother Jones just doesn't get it and what these young hippies are all about. And they hear him as his cane is clunking as he's walking down the aisle. And they all feel a little bit sorry for the little hippie youngster. But they know that somebody has to point out to them that this is just not how we behave. And they all just kind of watch the preachers even gotten silent. As old Brother Jones walked up, looked down at the young man, set his cane down on the floor and sat down beside him and put his arm around him. So that's the thing that we need to be doing, welcoming folks, whether they look like us or not, impartially welcoming them into our midst, letting them know that this is a place that can be a home for you. This is a place where you can meet God, have your sins forgiven, and go to heaven. And we want folks to realize that, and we're going to have to be impartial. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5-7 through 7 says this, What then is Apollos, what is Paul, servants through whom we believed, as the Lord assigned to each? I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. We need to remember that. When folks walk into our assemblies, we are merely servants of God who have been given an opportunity 
to pass the message of forgiveness along to them, to pass the message of eternity along to them, to pass the message of freedom from sin and captivity along to them. That's, that's, that's our job. God's the one who will give the growth. We just need to do the planning and watering, and I hope that you're willing to be a part of that. And uh, I, I'm really excited about the work that we're doing. I'm looking forward to all the work that we've got going on and, and the, the things that we're going to be doing to draw people into the family of God scripturally, the things that we're doing to help people hear the truth. And so I, I'm looking forward to that. Again, thank you for your filling out the part that you want to be in, and we'll be getting back with you in a couple weeks on that.